The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of the 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners360.com. It's Matt from 360, and joining me for episode number 12 is my co-host and lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360, Mr. Chris Mason, as well as our film guru, Mr. 55 himself, Caleb Cummings. With the entire class of 2023 signed and sealed, We have a lot to get to today, including more Portal Madness. Chris, how about you get us started with a quick calendar refresh on how this whole Portal thing works? Yeah, there's been, we're now, you know, we're now in January 11th. Uh, The Portal uh, visit window has been closed since uh, Monday for the college football uh, championship. I don't really know why recruits could have taking visits that day. They certainly would have missed a game they needed to watch. Um, So it's been, so it's technically closed right now. No portal players can take visits. It reopens again this Friday. Portal players can take official visits uh, on campuses and continue with that process as long as they're, whatever institutions they're looking at, they're going to be able to get their transcripts in and get eligible and get enrolled for classes. I think some of those deadlines at some places will, will start to, will start to come up Uh, for OU. It's probably somewhere in the range of maybe January 20th is maybe more of a hard kind of date maybe, but the portal itself closes on the 19th. If you want to be eligible uh, in this window uh, to, to be eligible next year. So What's happened really over the last four days, sorry, sorry, the, 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 the end of the visit weekend, uh, last weekend, we basically had a bunch of athletes, prospective athletes um, in the portal visiting two or three places in the space of about five days, maybe taking as many as three visits and then making their decisions. So to, to, use, a, to use a joke from the, Robert Redford movie Spy Game. Uh, the process has been so hurried that it's sort of like you want twice, tw- as his Robert Redford said, twice the sex and half the foreplay. So, really, the last five days have been like quicksand trying to follow this. We think we know a player is going to visit OU. He never shows up. One player verbals. And that means other guys verbal somewhere else, visit somewhere else. Other players jump into the portal and seem to affect the whole order of who's going to be where. Players take visits that aren't expected. It's basically like taking 12 months of high school recruiting and slamming it into about five or six days. So it's 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 been a little, it's been crazy trying to keep up with this. 
from our from our perspective, uh, uh, at 360, uh, Saptown Sooner has been posting a frenzy of updates almost every day the last uh, the last week. And part of the back and forth too is, you know, David Agwegbu just hit the portal. Uh, there could be another one or two guys doing the same thing. So the spots in themselves, the scholarships are pretty fluid. And, you know, kind of while we're waiting on some more info as to how many spots are left, uh, there are a few new verbals, so we can track the verbals pretty well. Uh, Chris, recently, OU picked up a wide receiver transferring out of Michigan, Andrell Anthony. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, Andrell is, he's had a limited productivity the last two years. He's hes had flashes of what you would call high-end play. He has these fantastic highlights from the Michigan State game. And I'll let Caleb go a little more in depth with him uh, in, a, in a sec. So he's 6'2", 185, 190. The Michigan, a lot of Michigan folks that I've talked to, a couple of Michigan insiders thought that he was had a lot of sky-high potential. They weren't really sure why he was playing it. They thought he should have been playing more this current year. So he's he doesn't have the stats of some of the other guys in the portal that OU has looked at. But I I think OU's kind of betting on the they're betting on the ceiling. They're betting on the potential. Uh, Caleb, can you give a little more insight into that? Yeah, I'll try my best. I think you did a good job there. Uh, just because, as you mentioned, it's it's limited in terms of what you see on on tape from a production standpoint uh you know one thing to touch on a little bit and you know you mentioned this right talk to some folks and, and there were some things you know this year that maybe there were some injury issues whether it's a hamstring or you know soft tissue but just one of those things where you know kind of continue watching out and seeing hey is he going to be available today and so you know maybe just a little bit nicked up but he to your point he showed some really good flashes in you know as a, as a true freshman on that Michigan team, uh, which was a playoff team, right? That won the Big Ten. Uh, particularly go back and you watch that Michigan State game. And I think it's something to kind of really think about uh, how he fits into what Jeff Levy in Oklahoma wants to do from an offensive standpoint. You mentioned, you know, 6'2", 190 pounds. He's still got additional room to fill out that frame. If he was, you know, to get up to 200, you know, maybe a little bit above like CD, right? I mean, not the same type of player, but just in the same, you know, height, weight category. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's kind of to be expected. But you watch that film, you see a guy take a slant uh, and go, you know, 85 yards to the house, outrun all of Michigan State's DBs, you know, and Michigan State had a really good team uh, in, in 2021, and they really fell off this year. But, uh, you know, and then he, you see him as well, right? So you see him winning uh, after the catch. You'll see him make competitive catches, uh, high-pointing the ball. And so I think that really fits in a lot with what Oklahoma wants to do. You know, Oklahoma is losing uh, some speed with Marvin Mims and what a guy that was, you know, a big part of their vertical game. So having a, you know, uh, a bigger framed kid that could play on the outside, that can go win one-on-one. And we know Oklahoma likes to run, you know, a lot of those, you know, same patterns, you know, a slant perspective or, you know, some, some deep, uh, end cuts and some digs and things. I think he's got the ability to go out and uh, make some competitive catches for Oklahoma and be, you know, be impactful. You know, uh, one thing I'll point out, I did find interesting when you talk about numbers to put this in perspective as it pertains to Michigan and their passing game and Jim Harbaugh, right? Uh, Harbaugh's offenses as a, as a college head coach, 
which is pretty extensive, right? Three years at San Diego, those are five years or something, you know, along those lines at, uh, at Stanford. And he's been back in Michigan for, well, you know, a chunk now, uh, seven years or so. He's never produced a thousand yard receiver. So expecting Michigan to have a guy that, you know, for, for Anthony to come out of Michigan with having, you know, 600 yards in a year and looking for that kind of production, that would put him among the top receivers uh, in a given season of any that Jim Harbaugh's had. And that includes a lot of guys that have gone on and played in the NFL. So it's just not a system that produces a ton of, you know, uh, big flashy numbers. So, you know, I think kind of keep perspective. There's still some juice to squeeze from him. Yeah, and if we if we have limited information and, and limited production from from uh, Andrew Anthony, uh, our next verbal commitment, uh, Rondell Rondi uh, Bothroyd, and we're we're going with Bothroyd as the name because that's the same name as Q in the James Bond movies, and that's how they say it. he's Colonel Bothroyd. So that's how they say Boothroyd. That's how they say the name. So we're going to stick with that pronunciation, even if it's wrong. But whereas we don't have a lot of production from Andrew Anthony that we can point to. I think, I think, I think Rondell is, is the opposite. He's a defensive end. We've talked about him on this podcast a couple of times, six, four, two He's been very productive at Wake Forest. He's had two very good years back to back. I'm not implying that he's, you know, that he's, he's an old, he's going to be a first round draft pick or anything like that. But I think when you add him to the, He's a he's a big addition to the OU defensive end uh, rotation. I, I think his, he has a real potential to be a starter for the Sooners. Caleb, looking at his film, is that a, is that a fair is that a, is that a fair guess at what what his impact might be? Yeah, no, I I'll be honest with you. He's you know so Trace Ford uh, and he immediately upgrade that room in, in a big way. You know and really in multiple ways, right? Because we could talk about them coming from defensive schemes and. Uh, you know, and philosophies that have been successful in Oklahoma State was a year ago, two years ago, had number two defense in the country. So got veteran guys that have been productive and know how to win. But with both Roy, and you nailed it, right? Like there's nothing as super sexy about his game when you watch him. He's not, he's not, he's not PJ Adebore from a physical standpoint, right? He's he's not not Miles Murphy from Clemson. He's not 6'6", 275. He's He's not that guy. He's not that guy. But what he is, is like, I think I wrote this down somewhere, right? The whole of his game is greater than some of his parts. To your point, 24 and a half tackles for loss and 13 sacks the last two years. And you watch him and (laughs) it's just one of those guys like the offensive tackles hate, right? Because he's got enough quickness to threaten you to the outside. Uh, Good tackles, you know, can, you know, probably not, you know, going to be overly threatened every down, but he can also win with power and he's, he's good technique. He shows good footwork, all of the things that like we watch from, you know, these defensive linemen, defensive ends that you say, like, you know, it's just all the stuff you coach and that makes a good player really good or makes a great, a good player. Great. It's those coaching points, those techniques. Uh, he, He does all of that. He wins with his motor. He wins with effort. He'll win you know, with power, sometimes he will get the outside. He will win with speed. Uh, you know, he's just that type of guy that, you know, uh, you know, an old fighting phrase, right? He cut here and a cut there. Next thing you know, you bled to death. You know, not that he's going to take over a game, but that's how over the course of two years you put up those type of numbers is you're just massively consistent in every phase and you bring it every snap, every game. 
I think he's going to be a great mentor to the younger defensive ends that OU's bringing in. He does everything the right way. And as you said, it's just he's not going to have the gaps of no play that we sadly saw from our defensive ends this year. Uh, I mean, that's that's what I view from him, generally speaking. He was also uh, he's also a team captain. We know that our defense needs leadership. He can be a leader in the locker room. I think it's it's a big addition in, in a number of ways for OU. You combine it with Trace Ford, and all of a sudden now, fourth quarter, OU has more defensive ends to play and to rush the pass rush the passer if OU's trying to hold a lead or or keep a lead. Absolutely. So we talked about a guy with that has a lot of production. And now we need to get back to maybe someone who OU's really trying to catch lightning in a bottle with a lot of potential, but not quite a lot on their resume yet. Now, D-line recruiting in the portal has been, it's been pretty brutal out there. Uh, Players have been entering the portal, uh, immediately finding homes. There's been a lot of action in and out. Auburn and and. LSU seemed determined to add like five or six defensive linemen in the portal uh, in January. So it's been very competitive and it's hard, been hard for us to track who else OU wants to add uh, and on the interior defensive line. They have Jacob Lacey, which is a great addition, good, good addition, good piece for Notre Dame. And now OU's added Davin Sears from Texas State, right? Do I have that right? That's right. Yeah, from Texas State. Sorry, I just forgot his place. And he's 6'2", 295. He's got two years left. He played one year at JUCO. Uh, he's played two years of college ball. There's not a lot on him, but he certainly looks – he's certainly – he's passing the off-the-bus look test as a defensive tackle that could help OU. Uh, Caleb, where do you – I think OU's trying to strike, as I said, lightning in a bottle here. What do you think there's the, – what's, what's the upside for Davin? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. You know, if I was to try to pinpoint a guy, I would say the upside of uh, maybe like a Jordan Kelly that we've seen. That's actually kind of a comp I had just from watching his his game against uh, Baylor. Uh, is Yeah, I, I would give that. And you kind of stole kind of my first line there is one of the things you see his size listed, you know, with you know, 6'2", 6'3", 290, 295. And you think, okay, is he really that big? You know, or is he six foot? 280 pounds. Uh, but, you know, you, you pop on the Baylor tape, you look at him and think, no, okay, that is, you know, kind of more, he's broader than I thought he was. He's bigger than I thought he was. Uh, yeah, that's a, he looks the part, 100%. Uh, you know, you watch him, and there's some things that Bates was going to have to do what Bates does, right? Which I think we saw that with Coe, we saw that with Kelly, we saw that with all the guys in year one. He improved them a lot. You know, Sears, you hope will fall in line with that because he's got some juice when you watch some of his tape, you know, at, at Texas State. You see him when he pins his ears back and goes, he, he, he can be disruptive of the field. And I think that's one of the things that we know with if you listen to Coach Bates on the signing show, he talks about, you know, they don't want guys that are going to hold the point of attack and, you know, just hold bodies. Right. They want guys are going to be disruptive up the field, you know, playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I think what you're probably really wanting there is a guy that can compete for that fourth spot, uh, you know, with uh, a Kelvin Gilliam. You know, he's he had that injury and in, in, in the surgery. He'll be coming back, you know, but a guy that, you know, can give you some rotational snaps, 
and you hope that in those snaps, he's going to give you that burst. He's going to give you that flash that you see, you know, a handful of plays every game from him uh, there at Texas State. And, of course, the one nice thing is Sears has has two years. So if for some reason his his he's developing this year and he looks and he's and he's starting to get it and he looks really good, it's it's we'll get we'll get him again hopefully next year. And with losing uh Kelly and Co., because they'll they'll just be out of eligibility. Uh it's nice to have Sears as maybe a bridge to maybe as a bridge defensive tackle to play before, you know, the Marcus Strongs and Ashton Sanders and whoever else we're bringing in. Are, are maybe ready to play that he can be, he can be a senior and and fill that gap uh, for OU and be maybe be more productive and maybe his coming out parties in twenty four, but uh, having two seasons of him I think is is key as well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And with these three additions uh, through the portal, big positions of need: wide receiver, DN, D tackle. You add those to the guys we've already added. You know, then you have Pearson in the, in the safety department. Um, you know, OU's really turning over the roster, which leads us to what spots are left. Uh, Chris, who, who's still in play? What's, what positions are we still recruiting? Who have we lost out on? Well, it's again, it's so hard to tell with things moving left and right. So we're going to kind of stick to the guys that have visited OU so that we know we know definitively, okay, this was someone who was really interested in OU and OU was really interested in that marriage of those two factors, right? And of course, OU today just lost Walter Rouse. We've been talking about him for a couple of weeks. He's the big offensive tackle from Stanford, three-year starter uh, from the Maryland area. And he was he appeared to be the guy that OU had targeted to help with the tackle spot, which went from now we could use a tackle too. We really kind of need a tackle due to uh, Jacob Sexton's injury, which I, I, I think was harder for, which obviously occurred in the bowl game. So pre, during the first start of the portal, I don't think OU knew quite as much if they needed a tackle or not. It was kind of like, well, do we want a tackle? Maybe we know we need an inside piece. Um, and now they're, they're and now after the Sexton injury, obviously the tackle things are, are, is much more important. Um, it's a big blow from the portal. He came in, lost him to Nebraska. That seems kind of a strange decision to us all. I don't know if you, I don't quite, he's certainly, Rouse is dead silent on social media. So not really given any real indicators of, of what his decision-making was there, but it, it's a big loss. And, and Caleb, I know, uh, I know this is, this fits in with some of the, with the, some of the portal recruiting woes we, we think we're seeing on the O-line. Yeah, no, I think you nailed right in the beginning of that, like the importance of the offensive line as it relates to to the portal, uh, you know, and and that got heightened whenever Oklahoma lost uh, Jacob Sexton to the ACL ACL tear. He might be able to make that back, right? I think he's if he has not had surgery, it'll be really quick, uh, and you know those things have sped up a little bit. So maybe he's able to be available you know, mid-season, uh, you know, but he's also a kid that didn't play, but a handful of snaps before he tore that ACL. Uh, so you still kind of don't know what you're getting. But it, yeah, you know, you go back on offensive line recruiting to 2018 and from 2018 to present, Oklahoma's only got two offensive linemen that they've recruited out of high school. 
that have started games for them. Uh, so the portal has been really the saving grace of the offensive line, you know, over the last handful of years, their ability to go out and get guys uh, that can come in and contribute and play. So losing him was losing him was really impactful. To your point, I'd have no clue when you really start stacking everything up as it relates to Nebraska, where that program is at, their offensive line coach with no track record whatsoever of, and he was, you know, I think everyone knows he was hired because his nephew is, you know, the 2024 20, five-star quarterback, Dylan Raiola, uh, was the hope to get him. So, you know, really odd, uh, but it, it, again, it's going to heighten the importance that Oklahoma go out and find one, potentially two even, uh, you know, more portal offensive linemen in this class, whether that can be a, a swing guy that can play guard and tackle or, you know, someone that's got tackle experience, I think it's going to be really vital. Uh, there's, you know, maybe still a handful of guys out there. Well, one name we are, we are seeing Matt that, that has just sort of blown up in the last day or two um, is Washington, uh, Washington offensive tackle, Vic Kern. Uh, he's six four three twenty. He was a, a two year starter in 2020 and 2021 this year, he was a backup. Now Washington had some guys come back from injuries so they had kind of a they had a really good offensive line this year with with several guys who are probably going to probably going to make a probably going to end up being have their name announced in the draft in some area. So he was a backup this year. So that's obviously kind of that's a red flag. But I, I do think Washington had better had a lot of had better they had a lot of injury problems the last two years on their offensive line. So some starters came back and. And sort of solidified that. So maybe it's not quite as big a red flag as it, it appears to start. I think he could probably provide depth at tackle and guard. Maybe allow Bill to try some Bill Breedenbaugh to try some different pieces in different spots. Um, we're hearing that he's visiting this weekend. Two recruiting sites have reported that um, rivals and on three. Um, but Bill, is that a, is that a is that a pretty fair assessment of Kern? Yeah, I think it is. To your point, there's not a, you know, to watch his his tape kind of extensively, you've got to go back to 2021. And uh, I know I've heard some say that, you know, early on in his career, so in 2020, you know, everybody thought extremely highly of the kid and thought, hey, he's going he's to be, he's really going to grow into a stud for us and be, you know, just a, a three, four-year starter and off to the NFL. Uh, it didn't, didn't pan out, right? There's coaching change. Uh, offensive scheme change. So a lot of different things. And you never know why, you know, why did he lose his job? Was he banged up in fall camp uh, and, and just wasn't able to go? And the guy came in and took it and never gave it back. I mean, we've seen that, right? I mean, uh, Brandon Braxton once upon a time was Oklahoma's starting right tackle and broken leg, broken leg later, you know, Trent Williams is off to the Hall of Fame. And that was going to happen regardless. But uh, just, you know, kind of an example there of, of a guy coming in and, and, and taking hold of the job. And so, you know, don't know if that was the case, but, you know, you watch him and uh, he's not a terrible athlete. He's not sloppy. He can move. Uh, you don't see in, in I watched the their 2021 game against Oregon. You saw a lot of quick game. Uh, the run game wasn't hitting. You know, Washington was terrible in in, in 2021. So it's hard to yeah. know. Right. You don't see him having long pass sets against Thibodeau because they're getting the ball out as fast as they could. You know, maybe maybe because of Thibodeau, maybe other guys along the offensive line. You don't know if it was Kern. Just not a lot to see there. But 
Yeah, I moment. forgot that season. That season really went south on them badly, didn't it? Yeah, you know, there was, you hear a lot of uh, folks say that the guy they hired, uh, Jimmy, was at Lake, you know, as the head coach. And it was just, you kind of realized right away, hey, he's not, was not ready for this. Uh, and that permeated, I think, through the entire program, people just not being prepared, not being on point and things not serious. And that whole team was, it was, it was rough to watch offensively. Uh, I kind of came away saying like, gosh, you know, he's in the way and he's there. He's not getting thrown around, but he's not moving anybody. Don't know. He, he kind of just, you know, he's kind of just there. Uh, but yeah, he's from the, he's from the Houston area. So, you know, this might be, you know, change of pace, change of environment. We've seen it. We've seen it all happen before, right? That all of a sudden you're like, well, okay, where'd that guy come from? You know, I think there's, there's a, there's a there's a chance he could come in and be you know he's got some experience he's has 18 20 starts on the offensive line i i like our young guys on the offensive line but they're they're not experienced so um he could i think if OU's able to get his verbal signature he comes in in spring i, I think he's a nice piece and maybe maybe allows bill to tinker around with some other with some other things so um the other uh, Matt, if you're back with us, the the other player that I, I think most of us thought would be a sooner by now is um six foot seven, uh two thousand two pound wide receiver from bowling green, Tyron Broden. And speaking of the ever-shifting sands in the portal, he he doesn't appear to have a spot at OU any longer, and he may not have a spot at Penn State. I'm not quite sure what's the rationale behind that, but he's was supposed to commit today. He's posted on Twitter that he's pushed that off. And um, I think right now he's kind of in a holding pattern and it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't visit another school um, once the come, come this weekend to try and find a slightly different home. I, I don't know that this is any indication of anything wrong with, with Broden. I think it may just be a case of shifting Shifting priorities um, for OU. I, I can't speak to Penn State's recruiting uh, portal board, but um, I'm a little bit surprised by that. Caleb, Caleb, aren't you based just based upon you know how good his film kind of looked? Yeah, no, he's got a lot of physical ability. Uh, you know, I think you know D Matt calls him the Avatar, right? Because it looks like something you'd create in a video game. Because uh, he does, he moves. Well, he uses a blue well. cattail, right? Yeah, absolutely, right. <laughs> He's, he moves extremely well for a guy that size. You know, you don't see the lumbering. Uh, he's not out, you know, away from himself. He's very, you know, kind of uh, strong core. He's under control. It's surprising. I will say, you know, kind of looking at it a little bit, I think you're seeing this with a couple guys. Uh, you know, Cephas from uh, Kent State, you know, there's chatter that he's going to maybe return to Kent State and then look to reenter the portal after spring because it, Things just didn't shake out like he thought, and, and it's not well. And know. wide receiver, the wide receiver, as I, I mentioned this in our previous podcast, Caleb. I mean, they could have just a we could just have a portal show about wide receivers. Yes, you know, I think we, we talked about this a little bit, right? With uh, I think we mentioned this, you know, like with Ole Miss, and you see how much Lane Kiffin is utilizing the portal. And I think there's some, you know, when you look at it, you can throw a rock in the portal and you can hit a hundred wide receivers that are, have got, you know, 50 catches, 
in 500 or 600 yards in, in a two years time span. Like you just kind of the same, they're everywhere or as the late, like Mike Leach loved to point out, right? Like those guys are a dime a dozen. Your bigs are extremely hard to find. I think you see that, you know, and, and maybe I think a lot of these groups are just looking at it like, hey, I mean, why? You know, we don't have to take this guy. Uh, the next guy is going to be just the same. He's going to give us the same production. He's, he is bigger. Uh, and it's not a shot at him. It's just the, the reality of that position uh, and football yeah, in just- general. Is, you know, just so competitive. It's so competitive. You can find guys. It's it's hard to know who who's really an elite guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, there's you know, to that point, right? There's, gosh, dozens upon dozens of guys that can come in and give you, you know, handful of catches and handful of yards and just be that. You know, you're probably not going to go find uh, a CD lamb. You're not going to go find a, you know, a pro bowl wide receiver in the portal, but you can find an entire roster of pretty decent guys. When I, I think when the Broden name came up, um, you know, it's, it, it's pretty rare to find a guy that's six, seven that can move like that. And I think we all just kind of fell in love immediately with the potential of having a guy like that. But, you know, to y'all's point about there being so many receivers out there, there's a lot of length. There's a lot of tall guys. OU already has a lot of those guys on the roster. So I think from a fit standpoint, especially, you know, we'll, we'll touch base or we'll touch on this in a little bit uh, with a new wide receiver coach coming in. I think maybe priorities might have shifted kind of right in the middle of that. Uh, Anthony showed up on campus. They might have run through a little bit of medical testing. Um, Caleb, you mentioned earlier, there, there might've been some lingering issues over the season and they fell in love with Anthony. They got Jones committed to, uh, as the new coach, perhaps he's got a few other guys that we'll touch on in a second. Uh, but I think Broden just got unfortunately caught in the middle of all that. And he's kind of the one left standing. Um, I did see tonight that uh, Penn state, there was a receiver they were kind of hoping for. I believe he was an NC State guy. Um, he did commit to West Virginia, actually. Oh. Um, so I'm wondering if that kind of opens the door for Broden to go ahead and commit to Penn State. That would be that would be good because you know I I, I kind of feel like you kind of got you know you kind of feel for the guy right. He's like, hey, I got these choices. I got these choices. I'm announcing, and then like, oh. I got to go on Twitter and tell everybody I can't announce. Yeah, we, we all saw that that tweet, got a good laugh out. Uh, he tweeted at Dylan Gabriel time at about 1.30 in the morning, kind of a one of those you up texts. But um, so you do feel a little bad for him. But, you know, hopefully that spot maybe at Penn State opens and he can get to uh, to a power five program and really showcase that that length he's got. Um, another guy that. We're not really sure what's going on. He's from right up the road. Uh, Bryson Green, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. He has entered the portal. Chris, uh, I believe there's a report uh, kind of in the last 24 hours that he might be leaning towards Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, he's like, I think he's like the fourth wide receiver from Oklahoma State to go in the portal. If not more. Um, maybe it's maybe that number's up to five. It's kind of hard to keep track. O- Oklahoma State's having some kind of wide receiver complete portal meltdown thing going on. But um, Stefan Johnson, 
Um, that one of their other wide receivers just uh, announced that he wanted he, that he's going to Houston. Uh, another guy whose name I can't remember. It's like a three name. I don't keep track of Oklahoma State's wide receiver room to be honest. He's choosing TCU, and it looks like Bryson Green is going to go ahead and choose um, Ole Miss. So, uh, and that's the third portal wide receiver for Ole Miss, who are all about the same size. So it's. Um, Lane Lane's definitely going portal happy at wide receiver, but I think the I the suspicion out there is the name that the suspicion out there is why Broden doesn't have a spot is because of Jaron Bradley. He's the Texas Tech wide receiver, uh, freshman six five two fifteen, honorable mention All American, torched OU for nearly two hundred yards, and there's a, there's a sense that he might be in the portal because of a of a certain hiring that we're we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah, and then you know you're kind of left again. We keep bringing this up. There's a little confusion about what's going on. There's a couple weird outliers out there. Um, Chris, I know there's two names in particular <laughs> that um, it's kind of. You know, do we touch on it? Do we, you know, we see these rumors on Twitter. Uh, one of them, Justin Rogers, defensive tackle. Uh, he is transferring from Kentucky. Um, it seems like he's SEC bound. Um, he's made some visits, but there's still no commit. There is a connection uh, to OU. The mo- One of the most recent portal commits, Reggie Pearson's dad, is a coach in the Detroit Metro. Justin Rogers is from the Detroit Metro. Chris, do you think there's maybe a little sliver of opening that we can hop in? Well, I would I would say no, and I thought no, but all the other places Rogers seem to be kind of leaning or like they're adding they're they're adding portal defensive linemen like you know like drunken sailors at, at Fleet Week. I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy out there. So I, I don't know that OU. The Rogers is going to end up at OU. By the time anybody gets to listen to this podcast, Rogers could have verbaled somewhere else. Completely possible. But he has a couple of visits to use. If I was OU and I was making one more flyer out there in the portal, I think Justin Rogers would be where I would maybe throw a Hail Mary pass. But we're just completely speculating at this point. And we're going to move on from Justin Rogers. I'm, I'm going to call this the the X Files. The truth is out there. Portion of the portal division of the portal recruiting. So none of our really good sources, none of the sources that have told you guys that 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 Andrew Anthony was going to commit to OU. That's why we made that prediction. None of the sources that told us that Emmett Jones was more than likely to be the OU wide receiver coach. None of those sources, or the sources that told us Desan McCalla. And Dave McCullough are going to be Sooners. None of those sources are telling us this, but there is a whole other sort of fringe element that give us information. And they're saying Xavier Worthy to OU might be a possibility. Now, if I was giving this like a confidence number out of 10, 10 being that guy's going to be an OU jersey, I guarantee it. I maybe would give this rumor like a one and a half. But Caleb, it's 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 a fascinating thought to think that in one portal season we could have a OSU player going to OU and then maybe a Texas player going to OU. Yeah, it's a wild one. I don't know what to 
what to think of it. I don't think a lot of it, if I'm going to be candid. Uh, I think it's a likely a social media, you know, thing where Worthy's been rumored for quite a while. He, he, you know, there was rumors during the season that he was really unhappy at Texas. Uh, and, and you saw frustration he had with uh, quarterback uh, Ewers. And, and you saw Ewers have some frustration with him in the bowl game. There was talk last year that he was going to transfer out after his big freshman year. Uh, and then, you know, again, there he's was pulled down his social media stuff like twice. See, he was supposed it, to be going to USC. That rumor was around for months. It's yeah, it's, yeah. The rumor was there right last year. It was he was gone to USC and Texas came in and and matched uh, or exceeded the uh, the you know the offer the NIL offer that he was getting. Rumor was what he was he was not happy with what what Ewers and B. John Robinson had, which you know is like driving a Lamborghini around Austin, literally. Uh, you know and what he was getting. And so he was off and he did a good job of negotiating, I think, and getting more from Texas. The only thing I think that might be somewhat interesting about this is Andrell Anthony and Worthy both signed with Michigan in the same class. They know each other. They were both set to play a wide receiver at Michigan together, again, in that same class in 2021 uh, for Jim Harbaugh and Wolverines. What Worthy got out of his NIL uh, national intent and then, and got to Texas, you know, uh, and played for them this freshman year, but they know each other. So I don't know, maybe there's a backdoor Oklahoma's work there through him. Maybe they're still good friends. And it's like, Hey, you know, you're not going to get the ball down there. You didn't have the sophomore year. You thought you were going to have, you know, get down here in a scheme. that's going to throw you go ball after go ball, uh, fits you better. And, you know, Worthy is just one of many wide receivers that we've talked about that's rumored to hit the portal. We don't even know if he's going to leave. So it's it's speculation for now, but I think, Chris, that one and a half to two is maybe correct on uh, that 10 scale. Um, you know, if he does come, it's a deep threat right off the bat. He can take the top off of any defense. Um, we know Levy likes to throw the deep ball, so there's definitely a fit there, but, um, you know, he's got to leave first. This could be some negotiating um, to maybe increase that NIL offer. Um, and speaking of negotiating, uh, we have heard the name Emmett Jones for about 10 days now. Um, really started to feel confident that he might be the guy seven days ago. Um Yesterday, OU finally announces that we do have a new wide receiver coach, Emmett Jones, uh, formerly wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator at Texas Tech, now hired by OU to the same position. Uh, interestingly enough, it includes that same passing game coordinator title. Uh, it's, a, it's a guy with a lot of DFW ties, a lot of Texas ties, um, and with, with him and some of the other names that we've heard over the last few weeks, uh, on 360 and internally there's been some back and forth on who the best candidate might be i personally think we landed on the best candidate out of some of the names we heard uh caleb what are, what are your thoughts on emmett jones versus a guy like malcolm kelly i agree completely with you and i'll go kind of a step further there and i know uh you know there was help me out the uh, St. Louis, not St. Louis Rams, but the LA Rams 
or uh, Rashad Samples. Reggie Samples. Samples. Yeah, he, he was rumored as well. I really think this is just my opinion. That, that's all it is. That Jones, if you take all three and you line them up, I think he's the best one for multiple reasons. Right. I think there's for me, particularly, you know, with with Malcolm, always kind of the concern about he does not have a big track record as a coach full time. It's only been since 2019. And when you look at his recruiting at, uh, you know, at at TCU, it's not been off the charts. Uh, You know, there's, you know, let's call it right. Johnston did commit to TCU when Malcolm you know, became the receivers coach there or that, you know, a couple of months after rather every, everyone you kind of talked to and you listen to the stories about it, Gary Patterson was, you know, really kind of the driving force in that. Right. And that's, it's, you know, that's not to discount, you know, Malcolm had a hand in it, uh, but it's just a really short resume and, you know, going to have to pay a lot to get him out. Uh, and the thing you're getting with Emmett Jones, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, right? Like, I don't care if he, if, it, if he was just a head coach at South Oak Cliff for three years and he was an assistant coach at a bunch of Dallas high schools before that. He's got over 20 years of coaching experience. Yeah, that's game planning. That's developing. That's relationships, working with those kids day in and day out. He's got a really long track record of doing that. Uh, you know, and then you know, kind of just touched on that there. Biggest piece, it's his ability to recruit the Dallas area. You know, you talk about a guy coming out at South Oak Cliff, Seganville. DeSoto, these schools, like those schools in the Dallas area, you know, it's been, you can look around and whether it's high-end offensive linemen or that have gone to LSU, receivers that have gone to, you know, LSU, uh, defensive linemen to A&M, there's been some really, some of the top players uh, in the DFW area come out of those, that little niche there, right, include Duncanville, and Oklahoma struggled to get in there. He gets you in there. He walks in. Uh, everybody, you know, you hear that people love this guy. You've heard some people say he's going to just, you know, it's going to be home run after home run with him wearing an interlocking OU on, on that shirt when he goes in there to talk to those kids. That's huge. I think Oklahoma transitions to the SEC, right? Like for them to be successful, state of Oklahoma does not produce the talent that the state of Louisiana does, or Mississippi or the state of Alabama, not even close to Georgia, not the Carolinas. They're playing from behind in some regards. They've got to win within a 400-mile radius of their campus, and that includes metro areas like the DFW, Kansas City. So you need guys like this that can win the top guys there. I think he gives you that. You know, And the third one, and I will shut up because uh, I know I'm long-winded on this, but I'd, I'd love to hire, is he's got a track record of working with you know bigger receivers and developing those guys. When he was, you know, at Tech, TJ Vasher, he developed him, you know, a big 6'6", you know, 215-pound guy. And obviously, as you mentioned, what he's done, uh, you know, with with uh, Bradley during his time, which is a DeSoto guy, you know, at uh, Tech. I mean, first year before Emma got there, and he was a true freshman, right? So, you know, he's, he's learning five catches, 99. You never expected him to come out this year and be your point you know second team all american 751 yards receiving and have that kind of year and, and oklahoma's got two guys and nick anderson and and Jaden gibson and you know i think everybody wants Jaden gibson to develop you know mentally emotionally physically but as a football player and be that guy and i think you're you know you're you're hoping hey Emmett jones has got a tracker with guys just like this let's see if he can come here and, and help us 
And also, um, you know, just to interrupt real quick, um, Kenyon Brown just fits the label of someone that Jones could turn into a star. I mean, his, Absolutely. his size and speed. I mean, he's 6'3", 200 pounds. We know he's, you know, well, I know we're, we're both, you know, Caleb, to, we're both sky high on the guy. But uh, having, having Emmett Jones be his, and he's done rolling early, you know, I, I just think that's just a great, if you're, if you're Kenyon Brown, you're going to be like, this is great. This is great news. I agree completely. I, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's, I mean, I, like everyone was really upset in a lot of ways. And I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people that this hire took as long as it did. And it was like, what's going on? And, you know, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know if Emmett Jones agreed to this 45 days ago and told Coach Venables, hey, I want to finish out the bowl game with my team. And then uh, that I'm on board, coach, you know, don't know if that's the case or any number of other things. Right. But we do know, like, right. Hey, this is a really good football coach and an unbelievably good recruiter that's tied into probably the biggest key area, one of that Oklahoma's got to be successful in in order to be successful. It's just that it really fits right in with, hey, here's here are the three things we need out of this position. And this guy's like an A plus in those three things, so it just makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm, I think it's a, a great hire. And timing wise, there's there's a strong possibility that Texas just lost Marion, their wide receiver coach, to a UNLV, where I think he's going to be offensive coordinator. If you if you read some Texas boards, and I, and I have some some folks that that tell me what's going on on Texas boards, um, you'll know that Emmett Jones was possibly high on their list for this hire, so. Oh, you may have just gotten this done before Texas was was thinking about trying to hire Jones themselves. Well, it's funny you mentioned that timing. I mean, maybe that is what tipped it in OU's favor. Uh, The Texas job opened. They had already been talking to Jones, clearly. And Joe C. must have just said, "Okay, look, let's get this done right now. We'll go ahead and sign you. Let's get you in. Don't even flirt with Texas. Um, you're ours. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that was a move by Joe C right there. And we got the assist from Marion leaving and heading to UNLV. Um, another quick point I wanted to make on Jones. Um, when he was at Kansas, uh, the whole Les Miles fiasco, you know, you had all that going on. Well, the guy that the KU AD turned to, um, to kind of lead that team through the, I think it was through the spring into the summer uh, during their next head coaching search was Emmett Jones. Um, so Caleb, you, you mentioned his 20 plus years of coaching experience. Uh, he's obviously a mature coach. Uh, Kansas relied on him to kind of run things in the interim uh, after the, the Les Miles fiasco. So uh, there is a track record there too with, uh, you know, a mid-major program leaning on him uh, for guidance. Um, I, I think, you know, that's, that's not a little thing. I think that's, that's pretty important. Um, coupled with all this other stuff uh, that you guys mentioned with the DFW thing, I think we started cracking that again uh, this class, 2023. You know, obviously you get Jackson Arnold from the DFW area. You get Peyton Bowen from the DFW area. Um, obviously high school teammates, but two five stars from right down the road. I think that goes along. Caleb Hicks, Caleb Hicks as well from Denton. Yep. So 
Oh, you was that, trying to make. Oh, you was trying to make some moves in the in the Dallas area. You you could kind of tell that. And you know, you have Jay Valai, a lot of ties to Dallas from mm-hmm. Dallas. He's he's really getting a stronghold. If you pair those two together, one offense, one defense, with a guy like Jeff Levy, who's who's really showing, um, he's starting to mature as a recruiter. He can come in and help. I I mean, DFW, if we can get you know, an extra two or three of those uh, top 150, top 100 guys out of the DFW area, pair them with a little bit out of St. Louis, which were, or the St. Louis and Kansas City areas, which we're kind of getting back into. Those are your new home bases. Uh, They should be going forward. And, you know, Jones just fits all of those, checks every box. Um, it's, It's hard not to get excited about him. Yeah, I think you 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 touched on something. I think is like you nailed it. Again, I don't know if you really even realize it, right? When you said if he can, if these if these types of hires get you two, one, two, three kids, right? If you get one or two of those types of kids per year that he goes and he gets you, you know, over three, four years, that's the difference. Like that's the difference between winning a national title and not. Like every OU fan has run through their mind, like, gosh, you know. 2008, like if we just put us, oh yeah, if you just don't lose Jeremy Macklin, if Macklin is out there as a receiver on that team, right? You know, if you just just one, if you know Granger doesn't get hurt, right? But if we just had one more defense, if this this one guy we didn't lose in recruiting, that one guy, it really is. It's it's that thin of a margin, oftentimes, you know. And so having guys like that in those key areas that can get you over the hump with one or two guys. Uh, and it's, it's just huge. it's just damn and it's just damn annoying watching Garrett Wilson and Jackson um Smith and Jimbo, you know, going to going to Ohio State. If he could just stop Ohio State from signing the best wide receivers from Texas, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll buy Emmett Jones a beer right now. Truthfully, I think everyone knows right that what the double whammy on those two guys going and being like first round, you know, NFL guys and and lighting the world on fire being from Texas is that, you know, they didn't go to Oklahoma because Oklahoma signed, you know, Weiss uh, and, and those, you know, and Bridges and uh, yeah, they, and yeah we could have had Garrett Wilson. Yeah, could have had Garrett Wilson, and we took Bridges and Weiss instead. It's like, please blow my foot off one more time. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we've seen some of those uh, similar dividends pay off uh, with the recent national champion Georgia. But kind of in the reverse, you know, they always recruited Georgia really well. Um, of course, they lost one or two that they really wanted every year to some of the surrounding programs. But as soon as they started to increase that footprint nationally, uh, and again, this is the the flip of, of what we're talking about, but they started going out there getting uh, Milton, a five-star running back from California, uh, Bowers, a four-star tight end from California, you know, they they took their base and started adding three or four guys every year. All of a sudden, they're getting 10 to 15 guys drafted. They're winning two national titles in a row. So, you know, all it takes is a few guys. And and if we can lock that down, maybe add a couple Texas guys, maybe this helps with uh, Nigel Smith and Melissa, um, a couple other guys in the area that aren't receivers that I think this is a big boost. Um, and speaking of these Texas high school kids, 
Uh, Chris, as our lead recruiting analyst, if you are Jones, you make it to OU, who are the first recruits you're calling? Well, I'm going to start with Texas kids because I think that's that's a heavy emphasis for Jones. That's why we're that's why we're bringing him in. Uh, and the first name that just leaps off every recruiting list you're going to look at is Makai Hudson. He's uh, 6'1", about 190, 195. He's from Lake Belton, Texas, which, according to uh, online maps, is uh, near Killeen, south of Waco. And he he looks like Garrett Wilson or, or Jackson or Jackson Smith, Najimba. Um, he, he just, he's smooth. He's making plays all over the field. He's, he's twisting and turning DBs around. He's a top right now. He's top 10, a five-star wide receiver. We'll see if he's able to hold that ranking, but that would be phone call number one, because I'm pretty sure Emmett Jones was working him very, very hard at Texas tech. Uh, the next name would be, uh, Draylon Miller, who was actually at an OU game this fall. And there's been some rumors that Draylon was interested in UGA, but I think, you know, I think Jones has a good chance of um, getting Miller back on campus again. Miller's 6'2", 200. Um, He's from Silsby, Texas, which appears to be east of Houston near Beaumont. And he, he's, he's probably, he's bigger than Hudson. He looks bigger than Hudson, but he's, he looks really I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't end up being the best, the best out of the group in Texas. It's going to be like a battle royal between him and a couple of the other names I'm going to mention. But he looks really, really good, powerful, smooth, fast, breaking away from guys. Um, so that would probably be phone call number two. Phone call number three is also in the Houston area. It would be Zion Kearney. He's 6'3, 195, uh, from Missouri City, Texas, which I'm pretty sure is just a suburb of Houston. Uh, he's a, again a bigger receiver. He's for a big guy. He's you know he's very athletic, very fluid and smooth. Um, taking the top off uh, defenses, a lot of long ball action to Zion. So he's he's a really good looking prospect. Then a speed guy, just pure speed guy, and he's kind of an athlete right now. His name is Terry Boosie. He has an OU offer. He's five eleven. He's um, he's from a city. Um, uh, near Longview, he's an East Texas prospect. It's called Timson, Texas. I mean, it may almost be on the border of Arkansas. So he's definitely one of those East Texas guys that we used to hear so much about. He he plays like an option quarterback for his high school, and he just he's just he's just making garbage plays all over the place, running around. You know, he drops back for about five ten seconds, and he decides to run with the ball, and then he's like gone seventy yards. So it's. It'll be a transition to wide receiver, but it's kind of easy to see how it's going to happen. And then the last name in the Dallas area, he's from Midlothian, south of Dallas, is Bryant Wesco. And he's 6'2", 190. He's, a, he's an excellent multiple wide receiver. Um, short passes, he's taken in the distance. He's, he's taken the top off defenses. Um, he also... Uh, he's also a top 100 player. All the guys I've mentioned are top 100 wide receiver, top 100 players on the composite right now. And Wesco's the last one in that group from Texas. Uh, and fortunately, a nice little nugget of information for us: 
Wesco has a sister that plays soccer at OU. And and we know uh, and we know now that that the OU women's soccer team can can help OU recruiting. So um, those are the five guys in Texas, Matt, that I think would be his first phone call. But you know, the other point is he's found he's found gems in Texas that aren't on the top 100 list and turned them into fantastic players. So expect more names. He's probably got some names that haven't made this list yet. Uh, more names to appear that he's got kind of, you know, he's got squirreled away from all of his contacts. But those are the five Texas guys right now that going off the recruiting lists that are, that are the highest rated guys. Well, and, and OU obviously has a, a national brand. Um, so maybe he can build a wide receiver class just out of these Texas kids. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple Houston guys, a couple Beaumont or one Beaumont guys from East Texas. That might be tough to crack, but, you know, if, if Jones kind of has that sort of uh, pull in Texas now, um, he's not just a DFW guy. You know, he's been at Tech for, uh, I think, five or six years total. Um, so he's obviously got a lot of connections. So, you know, maybe with that interlocking OU, like Caleb mentioned, he can walk into um, Missouri City, Texas, I believe home of Jamal Charles. Um, and talk to a Zion Kearney and, and get a visit and and kind of get some traction there. Um, but nationally, um, there are a couple guys that uh, you do like as well. Um, you want to kind of go through a couple of those guys? Yeah, there's, there's some names that have some serious connections to OU that I think Jones probably, you know, could could make some easy connections with. Um, the first one is Zion Reagans. He's from Georgia. He's from Jones County, Georgia, and he's 5'9", 165, so he's a small kid, but you only have to watch his film and see, like, the second play on it. He redefines, like, fast. He's just fast and then fast and then fast again. So it's he reminds me a little bit of, um, to go back in the OU comp and go back in the OU comparison machine, of um, Jalen Sanders. Um, maybe faster than Jalen. So that's kind of a comp I use for him. He's just incredibly quick. And then there's another super fast wide receiver on the West Coast, Ryan Pelham um, from Long Beach. He's 5'11", 170. He's also just showing excellent speed. He visited OU last fall with a bunch of California prospects. So he's had a chance to, to, to be uh, on campus. Uh, and then going back to the East Coast again, um, TJ Moore was a guy that OU offered uh, early before everybody else. He's a wide receiver from the Tampa area. He's 6'3", 190. He kind of looks like a clone of uh, of Keon Brown a little bit. Uh, maybe that's just because they're Florida wide receivers. I'm making that connection. But he he looks fantastic. And he's gotten offers from everybody. So he's a three-star kind of an unranked fringe guy right now. That's that's not going to last. He's going to next ranking update. He's he's going to vault up the rankings. And he's from Lewis Carter's high school. Uh so OU has a probably a pretty good chance of getting a visit from him uh cuz we know Lewis Carter was was kind of the was kind of the leader of that that high school football team. And then you brought up the one last guy to, to end and wrap up with. You brought up the St. Louis Missouri area, Kansas City area. And OU's got a, an offer out to Jeremiah McClellan. He's 6'1", 
sorry, McClellan, Jeremiah McClellan. I've been saying McCullough so much, so much with the brothers. He's Jeremiah McClellan. Um, he's 6'1", 185 from the St. Louis area. He's, uh, he's an excellent receiver. He's in the top 200 ranking. Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, he has all the big-time offers. Uh, very interested, seem to be, seems to be interested in OU. So I think Jones off the bat, you know, the he's got some he's got some interesting names both in Texas and nationally to to work. Got guys that would all be, you know, significant could be significant presences in the OU room, OU wide receiver room. Well, it sounds like Caleb has uh, some film to watch. Uh, we know Barry's going to be watching uh, most of these guys too. Um, we're going to start getting some thoughts together. Um, Chris, real quick, uh, you want to touch on the rest of the 2024? We have a couple quick updates. Uh, two new offers recently. I know you really love uh, this Kansas uh, linebacker, safety athlete type. Uh, what can you tell us about him real quick? Yeah, just there's, no, there's nothing new on 2023. No new offers there. Um, but, oh, you did make two offers for 2024. The first one, as you said, his name is Michael Boganowski. And he's in he's from Kansas, sort of the near Manhattan area. And you can see why OU offered him. He's he's 6'2, 195 pounds. He's got room to grow. He's got a good frame. And he just hits, hits, and hits. He just sincerely appears to dislike running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. So he he very much fits that Eric McCarty, Cade McIntyre. Uh, kind of mode that we saw with the uh, some of the early offers that OU made. He's just incredibly, you know, just he just obviously he just incredibly physical and just fits that that Brent Venables mode. I mean, the, the last world if you watched his his film, the last word you could ever come up with would be the word soft. He's doing nothing but violently hitting people. And, you know, and since he's from Kansas, I think OU has a really good chance of making a connection with him. Now, the other offer, sadly, is from Louisiana, from Lafayette. And I say that sadly because the, the kid's name is Dominic McKinley. And he's 6'7", 280. And he's playing defensive end. And he's just that prototypical SEC defensive lineman, white. Can't we have five of them in the Dallas area to just get two or three of them? He's he's just awesome on film. He just looks awesome on film. And it's just, I'm just watching it, knowing OU's made an offer. He seems excited about OU offering. You know, it, it looks so, you know, hey, maybe we have a chance. And then you just got to bring yourself back to the reality that the odds of this guy wearing purple and gold are about 95%. Well, we'll be tracking more 2024 offers as they come in uh we're approaching uh junior day coming up uh so maybe next week we'll have a lot more info on the pod uh there'll be a lot more info on the board uh sooners360.com um we're talking about all these guys caleb's breaking them down barry's breaking them down uh chris is keeping everything organized with the latest um also, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, we are on any platform of choice, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc. cetera. Um, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can hit the latest. Uh, we are going to be doing our best to bring you info weekly. 
even as the uh, spring and summer doldrums hit, um, you know, you never know with uh, this staff and how well they can recruit. Um, things really started ramping up last summer. Um, portal will be ending soon. Uh, then there'll be some spring ball talk. Um, so we'll be coming weekly. Uh, there's also the Barry and Mac show. Uh, they're talking about uh, pretty much anything and everything related to OU football. So go check them out uh, and subscribe to the board, Sooners360.com. Uh, Chris or Caleb, any any last comments? I just I, I'm really ready for portal season to be over. It's <laughs> it's 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 a it's maddening to track. It's a name appears. You think, hey. Oh, you should look at that guy. And then two seconds later, you're told, no, he's, he's only going to go visit Oregon. You're like, oh, damn. I'm just, I'm ready for, I'm ready for portal. Rec- First time I really covered portal recruiting heavily. I'm ready to get back to just regular old high school recruiting. Oh gosh. It's funny you say that because my first thought was I'm really interested to see what happens over this next week in the, with the portal <laughs> before it, just before it wraps up. Right. Cause I, I think you like train crashes, right? Caleb, that's, that's what you, that's what you like to No, it's, it's, it's much as anything. It's like, uh, I don't think, I think we mentioned this on one of the pods. I don't you know. Still Riley's line. OU's not that far off. And we've seen maybe if you go to Sooners uh, 360, you might see some hints of us having some information on the schedule, what it's going to look like. Maybe, maybe not. That, but I, you know, there's a lot of every game basically is winnable, right? I think we look at like the defense. You look at, you know, Bothroyd. You look at uh, Ford, Desan. Look at Pearson. It's like, hey, they've gotten better every level. It's like four starters right there, probably. Yeah, hundred percent, right? And you know, like, I mean, like, it's four starters that. Or the right type of guys you want, like you're better at defensive end, you're better at linebacker, you're better at safety, uh, which makes you better at corner, which makes you better at defensive tackle. Like you're you're just better, uh, you know. And I think the concern, you know, uh, you know, again, it's like offensive line, and as much as anything, it's I, I think being able to win one or two more guys. You know, if it's if it's Croon, it's someone else. Uh, you know, adding some competitive depth, like a guy that comes in and. You know, let's push Aaron Parks, right? He was top 200 recruit in the country. Let's get someone that could push him. Let's get the, as much juice as we can out of him. Maybe he can be Oklahoma starting left tackle. But let's get somebody to push him, get some depth here and there. Let's, let's see Jake Taylor. You know, let's get somebody to push Jake Taylor. Uh, same thing with, with Savion Burr, right? I think they probably have that with Schaefer, the line of Ohio transfer. You know, so that, to me, it's just interesting to watch. Can they add two, two more pieces? You know, maybe receiver as well. Like maybe they're done, but you'd like to see maybe add two more pieces uh, and get some, some more competitive, uh, some more competitive depth in some areas that are a little shallow in that. Well, whether you're excited about this into the portal or you're still pulling your hair out like Chris, um, it's wrapping up soon. We'll have the latest info on Sooners360.com. We'll touch base next week. Uh, Maybe there's a commit or two. Uh, before then that we can do some reviews on next week. Uh, But again, subscribe to the podcast, check out the Barry and Mac show, subscribe to Sooners360.com, and we will see you next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.